Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud. I'm your host, Nicole Toptosh, along with my co-host, Dominic Rainey. Howdy, Dom. How's it going today? Hey, it's going great, Nicole. Uh, you know, I was driving into the studio this morning. I noticed the Powerball was way up, $200 million. Can you even imagine what you'd do with that kind of money, Nicole? No, I can't. However, someone on our panel today could provide some great advice. Let's welcome to the show David Geller with GV Financial Advisors, Fred Ellsbury, President of the Atlanta Better Business Bureau, and Greg Galvez, the owner of ProShred. Thank you all for being on the show. And Fred, start us off and tell us about uh, what you do and your, about your company. Well, Nicole, uh, our vision is a marketplace where buyers and sellers can trust each other. So we, we work every day to try to inform consumers of the businesses that uh, they can trust to give their products, give their money to, and, and buy their products and services. But try to help them to avoid some of the scams that are going on out there. And my goodness, you know, all you have to do is read the headlines to know what the next scam will be. For example, the royal baby scam. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, uh, even a wonderful thing like that can bring out the worst in people. Right. There certainly is uh, so many scams out there today. The uh, Better Business Bureau, it's a 100-year-old organization. What services do you provide to the marketplace? Well, Nicole, uh, you know, I, I like to tell people I think the greatest benefit we provide is pre-purchase information. So if you're looking for companies to do business with, you can find them on the Better Business Bureau website at bbb.org. Uh, by the type of business, by the category, you can find our BBB accredited businesses who are uh, businesses who are voluntarily holding themselves to higher standards and would be good ones to go to. Doesn't mean you won't have a problem with them, but it does mean that you got the power of the Better Business Bureau standing side by side with the business to be sure you get a good experience. Right. But we do a lot of arbitrations and mediations for businesses and consumers that just aren't able to to uh, to resolve their issues. We handle complaints, and many people think about complaint handling as be a big a big part of what we do, and it is a big driver because uh, it is the the fuel that provides the ratings we give for companies between A-pluses and Fs. We do advertising reviews, investigations, charity reviews, and a lot of consumer education. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about um, the impact of identity theft. We mm -hmm. hear so much about it in society today. Are there uh, two or three tips that you could offer uh, to someone to help minimize their chances of becoming a victim? Yeah, I, you know, you can't eliminate the chance that you'll become a victim. Unfortunately, in today's world, there's a balance between privacy and convenience that we as consumers want to see that balance out there. Uh, but the three things that I would tell people to do is certainly check your credit card statements uh, religiously. Be sure there's no activity you didn't expect on there. Check your bank account statements to be sure that somebody's not using your bank account. And third is take advantage of uh, the Georgia law that gives you the ability to pull two copies of your credit report from each of the three credit reporting agencies. 
Now, I don't suggest everybody get a credit report every two months, but certainly every six months to a year, you should pull one of your credit reports just to be sure there's no activity on there. Early detection is the best defense against identity theft. Now, when you find you've become a victim, you need to immediately notify the uh, you know, the financial institute, for example, if if you try to use your credit card and they tell you it's not good or there's been a, some activity on it, notify the local police and then go to the credit bureaus and freeze your credit to be sure that nobody can take advantage of that. Those Those four things would help you a long way towards ensuring that you minimize the chance that you'll be a victim of identity theft. Right. I certainly agree with that. Early detection is key. It is. And I'm a firm believer in uh, checking your credit reports. At the age of 17, I myself was a victim of identity theft, so they really don't care how young or how old you you are. Nicole, you bring up a very good point. A lot of people think, well, I don't have any credit. I'm too young. Well, you're a prime candidate. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, most of the identity thieves are either families or friends. Over half of identity thieves are family or friends. And so if you're 16 and you've got a credit report, most of, us, most of us have one with little activity, and you have a relative who can't get credit because of their problems, they'll use your Social Security number, and you won't know it unless you check. And so right. a lot of times when I talk to high schools and colleges, I tell them, go to annualcreditreport.com and pull a copy of your credit report to be sure nobody's abusing your good credit. That's right. Now, again, regarding identity theft, mm-hmm. what are some other myths of about who might be a victim and how it may occur? Well, one of the myths is that, my goodness, our seniors are the most at risk. Uh, and that, and that's simply not true. The largest majority of, identi- of victims of identity theft are between the ages of about 18 and 35. They're the most active on the Internet. They're the most active in the marketplace. Uh, And so, really, that age group is much more at risk than our seniors. We think about our seniors because we hear about people taking advantage of them because they're available. But let me tell you, most of the seniors I deal with are sharp enough not to let this happen to them. (laughs) (laughs) Another myth is it it all occurs over the Internet. Now, there is some identity theft that occurs over the Internet with phishing emails and that type thing. But the reality is there's a lot more identity theft occurring that relates to people getting access to our credit cards, our personal information through other sources that may be hacked into. That's a much bigger risk than the Internet. The Internet is becoming much more secure, and our financial institutions are really what's driving that. They really they recognize that that the real victims of identity theft are, on the one hand, the financial institutions and the retailers who incur the loss. But I like to say that we as consumers are the ultimate victims because in our market-based society, if you're losing $25 billion a year to identity theft, that's going to be passed on in the cost of goods and services. So we're all paying for it. Right, that is so true. And, you know, you were talking a lot about the Internet we know that there is so much uh, consumer information out there mm-hmm. from companies like uh, Trustdale.com. You know, we always see the uh, ads for Angie's List and right. uh, Kudzu.com. Now, how do these services compete with the Better Business Bureau, and how are you different? Okay. 
Well, actually, these services, I would say, are probably complementary to the Better Business Bureau. Oh. You know, if you're a consumer and you, and you don't have any information, take advantage of all the information that's out there. Right. But understand that the Better Business Bureau is the only one of the group you mentioned that have standards for our accredited businesses and standards to which we hold all businesses to. So we're a standards-based organization, and that's the differentiation between us and the other, uh, other other organizations that you mentioned. So go to Angie's List, kudzu.com. If you're looking for a quick fix and one recommendation, Trustdale does a good job of vetting those people. One of their requirements of anybody that they recommend is that they be a BBB-accredited business. Oh, okay. But after you've done that and you've done your homework, come to BBB.org and see what the marketplace says right. about these companies. See their rating, A plus to F. Are they an accredited, accredited business or not? Right. Good advice because the marketplace certainly does set the standard. Yeah. What are uh, some of the current scams that uh, folks are hearing about? Well, you know, the one we're get, we get calls every week on the, uh, the medical alert scam, mm. you know, and, of course, that one is targeting seniors. They're calling them home. They're telling them that, uh, you know, Medicare will pay for a medical alert for them. Uh, all they need is their Social Security number, and they can file a Medicare claim and send them the medical alert free. Of course, once they get your Social Security number, you guessed it, you never get a medical alert. <laughs> but now they have your personal information That's and right. the key to your financial information. Summertime, we see a lot of travel scams, everything from, uh, you know, you get woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning in the hotel. You know, something's happened with their machine. They can't read your credit card. Would you mind confirming that credit card number for them? And uh, this is not even from the hotel. Somebody's mm-hmm. just calling into the hotel, waking wow. you up in the middle of the night. And we understand that probably four out of ten people just give them their credit card number and any information they ask for only to find out the next day that they've been a victim of identity theft. And then the worst to me is is many of the things that are going around right now with timeshare resellers, uh, people who want you to pay them to take your timeshare off of your hands so that you don't have to pay the maintenance fees and the, the remodeling fees that are associated with that. Mm-hmm. So, and, I, and I, I remember the first time I heard about that, I thought, now, wait a minute. They don't pay you for your timeshare. They ask you to pay them to take your timeshare? Unreal. And it's unbelievable how many of those are occurring, and, and they're ending up with, uh, you know, deeds for the property. They then sell it to a third party, and... And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a problem. And, and then also be careful on uh, many of the Internet sites when you're trying to rent somewhere to go to, like a home on the beach or something like mm-hmm. that. Check out the references. Make a few phone calls around that property. Be sure you're actually dealing with, your, with the owner right. and not just somebody that cut and pasted a picture of that uh, property onto an ad, and then they want you to wire them money. Right so that they can hold your reservations, and they don't even have the property. That is that is really great information on how consumers can protect themselves. We've been speaking with Fred Ellsbury with the Better Business Bureau of Atlanta. Fred, are there uh, certain red flags that uh, can help consumers avoid scams these days? 
Don, there are probably several things that, and, and and when I tell you about them, of course, most of us sitting here today would go, yeah, you know, that's not something that we would do. But unfortunately, many people fall for these. And I mentioned one earlier when I talked about wiring money. Uh, you know, if, if anybody asks you to wire money, that's a red flag. <laughs> that's a red flag. I mean, I ask people when I talk to them, I say, would you give cash to people you don't know? And they go, well, no, I'd never do that. Uh, well, then don't wire money to people you don't know. So that's a big red flag. Uh, the second thing is to know the business you're dealing with. You know, it's not, you know, don't say, tell your friends, I just found the latest and greatest product on the Internet. Well, what site did you find? And I will have to go back and look. I'm, I wasn't familiar with it, but I found it on there. Do business with people that you know. And and if you if you're doing people with if doing business with people you don't know, you need to take the time to check them out first. You may be surprised to find, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, gosh, I heard them advertised on such and such a television show," or or uh, they couldn't be on the internet if they're not legitimate, could they? So know the people you're dealing with. Don't wire money to you to people that you don't know. And when you get these in, these uh, emails that look like they're asking you for personal information, it looks like it's from a bank or a brokerage, do not fall for that. That's the oldest and biggest phishing scam out there, but the FBI tells us that one out of ten of the people that receive those phishing scams provide their personal information. So be sure that all of your virus protection is up to date if you're going to be active on the computer and just protect yourself. So I'd say those three things will keep you, help you to avoid a lot of, a lot of pitfalls. Fred, can you share with us uh, some of the Better Business Bureau best practices? Can you enlighten us a little bit in that area? You mean as far as consumers or yeah. businesses? Uh, businesses and consumers. Oh, businesses and consumers. Well, on the consumer side, again, I, I, as I mentioned, I think know the people you're dealing with. I know I talk to a lot of young people who are looking for jobs because there have been a lot of job-related scams going around. Fake jobs on the Internet. If you just send us an advance fee in advance, you know, never pay people for work that they've not done for you. You know, you can certainly pay them for, for work, you know, for things that they've done, but be sure you've got a product or a service before you pay people. Uh, but as a consumer, you just need to know who you're dealing with. I tell people who are looking for jobs that you need to interview the company as much as they're going to interview you. Find out everything you can about the company before you even go to interview with them. In fact, it'll be a great interview technique to, to say, well, I've looked at your website. I know you do this. I know you do that. Then they know you're interested and engaged. But that research may also lead you to understand this isn't a place that you would want to work. On the business side, you know, we have what we call our standards of trust, and it's kind of like uh, apple pie and motherhood. Uh, you know, be transparent. Uh, honor your promises. Uh, respond to problems. Respond to any inquiries. Uh, have a good marketplace record out there. So businesses, we tell them, you know, whether you're an accredited business or not, this is a great blueprint for business success. You know, all of us in business know that repeat business is the backbone of our business. You know, there aren't enough simply unique customers that will find out about us to make, it, make us successful. We've got to have repeat business. And you're only going to do that if you care about your customers and you take care of them. So 
Some used to be a handshake and looking someone in the eye, and now we got the Internet, and we're all doing business over the Internet. You know, it's, uh, it's certainly become a global economy. Uh, you know, we, we talk about how, uh, you know, the Internet today is kind of where advertising was 100 years ago. It's a very, very powerful tool, but if it's not controlled and people don't understand uh, and, and kind of trust and verify that, Pretty soon, you know, ultimately it'll be a tool that we'll just stop using. And that's actually where the Better Business Bureau started in 1912 uh, as vigilance committees of ad clubs over, overseeing ad challenges in individual marketplaces. But that was at the time we came out of the Industrial Revolution. We went from a local economy to a regional economy. Of course, you know, if anybody doesn't think we're in a global economy today, they've got their head stuck in the sand. And it's the World Wide Web for a reason. You don't know where these people are that you're dealing with over the Internet. And that's why I say it's so important that we know who we're dealing with. If a consumer has a complaint, how should they go about filing a complaint? The, the easiest way, Dom, is to go to our website, which is bbb.org. Uh, up at the top it says, are you a consumer or are you a business? And just indicate you're a consumer. Next link is file a complaint. You can do all of that online. Uh, we'll handle 50,000 complaints at our BBB this year with about 80% resolution on those complaints. And so... We always encourage people, go to the company first. You know, don't just turn to the Better Business Bureau when you have a problem with the company. Go to the company first. Check out our business review so that you know the contacts that they've set up for you to go directly to. Uh, but once you've gone to them, you've gone to the right people, you've made that reconnection, if you're still not satisfied, you can certainly file a complaint with the BBB and we'll intervene with the company. Uh, but most companies really want to take care of their customers. Yeah, the, the the Better Business Bureau is kind of like a warm blanket, in my opinion. It's nice knowing they're out there. And, uh, yeah. you know, as a president of an, a big organization like that, an influential organization like that, what, what do you enjoy most about what you do day to day? Well, you know, Dom, I, I spent before my uh, – this is actually my 10-year anniversary this year, but before that I spent almost 40 years with Delta. Uh, so I have a strong customer service background. About 30 of those years were in customer care. I was actually the person for Delta who was dealing with the Better Business Bureau on the <laughs> other side for, for a number of years. But what I enjoy are the people that I interact with because every day you have an opportunity to save somebody from making a mistake. Uh, from the little old lady that calls up who is on her way to the bank to get $10,000 to wire to somebody for something and and fortunately the bank uh, you know has told her you know you need to check with the better business bureau before you do this from them to the to the grandmother who's supposedly gotten a call from their grandson and he's in trouble needs you to wire money only to find out that the grandson hasn't gone anywhere these are typical calls we get every day from consumers and then from businesses businesses that'll call up they're not happy with their rating they want to know what can we do, what practice can we change, and that is very rewarding to see businesses taking an interest, you know, motivated to increase their rating because usually they've had a consumer that said, you know, we're not doing business with you. You have a C rating with the Better Business Bureau. That'll make them call quick, but it will get them on a path to, to uh, improvements in the way they do their business that'll actually prove to be successful for them in the long run. So 
just dealing with people, whether it be on the business or the consumer side, is probably the most gratifying part of my job. Well, we're certainly glad you're out there and that you're Thank ahead you. of it. Uh, Fred, uh, how can a company reach out to become an accredited member of the Better Business Bureau? Well, if we have a company that's interested in being a BBB accredited business, first understand it's by invitation only. Uh, but we hear from companies all the time, and probably the best thing is you can go on our website, indicate that you're a business. Again, that website is bbb.org. Indicate you're a business. If you're interested in accreditation, you can link there and provide some basic information. Or you can simply email us at uh, info at atlanta.bbb.org, and we'll have one of our business relations people get back in touch with you. Thank you very much, Fred, and also congrats on your 10-year anniversary. Well, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Next up on our panel, we have uh, David Geller with GV Financial Advisors. Good morning, David. How are you? Great. Great. Tell us about uh, GV Financial Advisors and what do you do? GV Financial Advisors is an Atlanta wealth management firm, and I always say we're at the intersection of wealth management and psychology. Okay. Um, and and um, what that means is, like many wealth management firms, we um, manage money. We manage about $1 billion. We help people answer questions in, in context, mm -hmm. meaning things like, how much money do I need to retire? Can I afford to make, to make this gift to my church? Um, how much money can I, can I give to my parents? Um, we help people save on taxes by identifying the right tax-saving ideas. And all of that is great, and all of that is necessary. But the truth is, in America, as people get wealthier, above a relatively modest level of income, they don't become happier. And we realized that about nine years ago. And so we now have a process that helps people understand the reasons that they're not using their wealth to make their life better. And we now have 50 tools and conversations to help people um, understand and overcome those five barriers that prevent people from using their wealth to create a more fulfilling, satisfying life. And what is it that uh, prevents most Americans from using their wealth to create a more meaningful, satisfying, and ultimately happier life? Okay, so there's, there's five main barriers. Mm -hmm. The first one is that people can get confused about the meaning of money. Mm -hmm. So many people define um, money as meaning security right. or money as meaning freedom. Um, those have some elements of truth, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty confident to say that if, um, if, if you define your security or freedom in terms of money, you'll never feel secure or free because you can always imagine a scenario where the money goes away. Um, so money's not security and freedom. Other people use money as a way to um, keep score. Um, now, they'll, they'll say, I'm doing great because I got a lot of money, or, or they will compare what they're earning to what their friends are earning. Um, you know, keeping score implies we're in some sort of race or, or game. Um, the first bit is all races and games have some sort of, en of um, en en ending point, right. right? They have an end. And so I guess in this one, the end would, um, would, would, would be death, right, the end of life. And so I always say to people, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> the, f the first is you're not going to win the game. Bernie Marcus, Ann Cox Chambers, Bill Gates, they have insurmountable leads. You're not going to catch them. The second bit, even more importantly, is is that the legacy you would want to leave for your family? So imagine passing away, looking down at your funeral from heaven, 
right? And the priest or the minister or the rabbi gets up, and, and they say, you know, thank you. And the church or the synagogue's filled, to, filled, and they say, thank you for coming here. The family so appreciates all of this incredible support. What we want you to remember about the dearly departed is they beat the S&P 500 by three percentage points a year. They died in the top 2% of, of, um, of net worth. Um, thank you very much for coming. Have a great day. We'd be horrified, right? <laughs> be terrible. So, so the first barrier is money is really a tool, a tool that you can use to make your life better, to enhance the lives of the people you care about, and to leave a legacy that represents your passion and values. And the other key part to remember about money is we think we own things. We think we own our home or our house. But, you know, I really have have some bad news for you today. At some point, we are all leaving and the money is staying, (laughs) right? So we have temporary custody over our money. So the goal is to use your money while you have custody over it to create as fulfilling and satisfying a life as possible. Love it. The first barrier. And let's talk more about the um, the purpose of uh, wealth management. Is it really just about growing and protecting your assets, or is it much more than that? Okay. I should be clear. Growing and protecting assets is very important, mm-hmm. right? But ultimately, if the purpose of wealth is to use your money to create a better life for you, to enhance the lives of the people you care about, and to leave a legacy that represents your, your passions and values, then the purpose of wealth management should be to help clients do exactly that, help clients use their wealth to build better lives, help clients use their wealth to enhance the lives of the people they care about. It should be to help clients use their wealth to make a difference in their corner of the world. So ultimately, growing and protecting the assets is important, but it's, but it's not nearly enough. Okay. That makes sense. Now, let's talk about the difference, the difference between pleasure and happiness. Some people uh, confuse the two. How does that impact their ability to build a life that fulfills their dreams? Okay, so we live in a society that um, often confuses pleasure and happiness. So we get ads that say the key to happiness is the luxury vacation or driving the luxury car or living in, in the um, in the um, luxury house. We even have a Atlanta-based soft drink company today that you, that you've probably heard of. They have the, the the nice red can for their flagship product, and they have a, a a tag that says "Open Happiness." Well, Coke's a wonderful product, and Coke is great, but drinking a Coke is not happiness. So pleasure is about your senses, right? And pleasure is good, but it's not happiness. Happiness is about Three things. It's built on this on the foundation of a stable lifestyle, right? And then it's about the quality of your most important relationships. It's about your ability to engage in activities that grab your total attention, that grab your passions, what athletes call being in in the zone, what the academics call flow, and it's about making a difference in the lives of others. And if we can fill our lives with great relationships, with those engaged experiences, and with the ability to help others, we're going to have a really happy life. Right. Speaking of uh, money and happy, we've all heard that old adage that money doesn't buy happiness. How might I use my money to create a happier life? All right. So money doesn't buy happiness to the extent you, you use it to buy stuff. But if you can take your money and spend it to build better relationships, you're you're likely to be happier. So how do you possibly do that? 
One of the ways is you can use your money to create an environment to share an experience to bond with the people you love. So for example, my family and I just got back from a wonderful bike a, a wonderful bike trip, uh-huh. right? It was me, my wife, and uh, my um, two kids. I took my money. We, we, um, we, we um, went to Europe, right? We shared this biking experience. We had 10 days of being together, conversing, having fun. So we bonded with the people we loved, right? I created a bonding experience. Gotcha. Another way to use your money to make your life happier is to use your money to make a difference in the lives of others, so if you get engaged in a nonprofit or a cause or if you help a friend, somebody you care about, if you use your money to help somebody or something you care about, you're likely to be much happier. Okay. David, uh, tell us about uh, the dream of being financially independent. Independence is a, is a big word. How does GV Financial help its clients achieve that dream? Okay, so the first part is that people – you know, we have a exercise that we have an exercise that we take people through, and the exercise is name your top life priorities. What matters most to you? And the most common card that people pick is financial independence. Um, but we've then gone on to ask people, what do they mean by financial in, by financial in independence? And it means very different things. So some people mean having enough money so you never have um, to um, work. And other people mean not being dependent on anybody else. So if you have a job, you're not dependent on anybody else. You're then financially in, you're financially independent. And other people mean not having people tell you the things to do. So at GV, when people say they want to be financially independent, the first thing we're going to ask them is, what does financial independence mean to, to you? Because we understand it means different things to different people. And we'll then help them think about how to use all of their wealth, not just their money, to create that sense of freedom, financial security, et cetera. We're listening to David Geller with GV Financial. This sounds better than watching the stock market go up and down. Yeah, it's way better than watching the stock market. And, and the reality is people who watch the stock market go up and down every day are likely to become nervous over the market, right? And it actually makes it harder to be a great investor if you're constantly watching the market. So which benchmark should I use to, uh, you know, just to measure the success of my portfolio? Yeah, so people often ask us that question, and I think it's really the wrong question. Um, if, you, if you're measuring your portfolio against a specific benchmark, then if you lag the benchmark, you're likely to take more risk to kind of catch up. Um, if, you're, if the benchmark's doing – if you're beating the benchmark, you may – put more money in things currently doing well but that are likely not to do well going forward. So we think the better way, don't pick an outside benchmark like the S&P or the Dow. The better measure is to figure out what rate of return you need to create the life you want, to build a portfolio that's designed to give you the best chance to achieve that rate of return so that ultimately you have the income you need in the short term so you can do the stuff you want and you have the purchasing power you need in the long term so you keep pace with inflation while always remembering the prime objective is to not run out of money before you run out of breath. So, David, is, is GV Financial right for everybody? Um, no. GV Financial do is you, not right for everybody. Do you actually turn people away? Or so, how do you deal with that? Um, 
the first part is we have a very distinct philosophy in, in the wealth management business. So I often say if you don't buy our concept that wealth's about using your money to make your life better, if you just want investment-only services, if you just want to, want to beat the benchmark, we're not the firm for you. Because our passion is to help people use their wealth to build better lives. And the second part is we have fairly high minimums. So we only work with clients who have the financial capacity to, to, to actually pay for, for our services. So our average our, – in most cases, our clients have at least $1 million. So some have less, and they pay us additional fees to get to the firm's minimums, but most people have at least $1 million. Yeah, I heard a, co- a comedian say one time, how do, you, how do you become a millionaire? Well, you start with a million dollars. Right. Is that, is that yeah, that's works? right. Well, that's, that's – yes, <laughs> that is how it works. You've got to start with a million dollars. You've got to get a million dollars. You know, the tax rates keep going up. You know, they went up in 2013, and I almost hate to say it, but it looks like they're going to go up a little bit again. Uh, you know, what, what, what can I do to minimize my taxes? So the first thing to remember is – so tax rates are going up, and, and taxes mean a lot to your investment returns. They mean a lot to your ability to use your wealth to create a better life. But the most important lesson with taxes is never, in, never do a tax strategy where the only purpose is to save taxes if it takes away from your life. Taxes are important, but the most important thing is to use your wealth to create the life, the life you want. Now, today, in, in the tax arena, there's a bunch of stuff people can do. Um, you should certainly be maxing out on your qualified retirement plans, your 401K, your IRA, your Roth IRA, those types of things. Um, still enormous tax benefits um, in lots of ways. Actually, insurance and annuity products today that are tax-deferred and are not subject to some of the additional taxes that have taken place in 2013 are also very good ideas. Um, There's a variety of charitable giving strategies that people can use that if they want to make a difference, there's ways to eliminate capital gains through certain charitable giving strategies. There's way to gift money to your children through certain charitable giving strategies that help the charity but also help your family. Um, So there's a variety of ideas. That, that we can do. If you're a Georgia resident um, and you're paying a lot of taxes, there's, um, there's Georgia film tax credits that people have that they can buy essentially and pay their, their Georgia taxes with um, discounted dollars. So there's a variety of things. Wow. You just have to look under the rocks, I guess, huh? Yeah. The key is um, one, of, one of my partners has identified 125 different tax saving ideas. Um, Right, Obviously, all 125 ideas don't apply to all people. But the challenge we have in life is that in many cases, through nothing malicious, the right idea never gets to the right person Right, yeah. in many cases. And so one of the things we try to do as, as we work with wealthy clients is to help them figure out of those 125 ideas which five or six might be applicable to them, give them the best shot for saving taxes, and we'll then connect them to to to, to the subject matter expert for each idea. David, how many years have you been in the wealth management business? Um, a long time. I've been in the wealth management business for 27 years. 27 years. Wow. And that, and that culminated into a great book. I enjoyed Thank reading you. your new book, wealth, wealth and Happiness. Thank you. It's a great read. Using your wealth to create a better life. Thank it's you. It's all about living, isn't it? It is all about living. It's all about using your wealth to create the life you want. That's the point. That's the goal. What would you do to find a, a good wealth management person? How would you, what would you look for? What? Okay, so I would start with 
um, the things I think everybody starts with. I would start to say, do they have a very good compliance record? You know, have they, have they had regulatory complaints? Are they clean? Because you want someone who's honest. I'd look for somebody who has um, a um, um, team behind them because people come and go and die, and so you want to have someone you can have a, a long-term relationship with. But once you get through the basics, I would start by asking them, what is their philosophy? And is their philosophy consistent with my philosophy? You know, are they the type of firm that's going to understand what I want? And, you know, if you want someone to help you use your wealth to make your life better, it's really important that you pick a financial advisor who shares that philosophy. And if that's important to you, the advisor's got to understand what might prevent you from using your wealth to make your life better. They've got to understand the barriers so that, so that they can help you overcome those barriers. I've got to ask you, David, were you Randy in the book? Um, I'm a little bit of Joe and a little bit of Randy. Um, probably neither directly, but very close to Randy, yes. Great, great, great. Excuse me, David, you've uh, talked a lot about using your wealth to create a better life. What is your definition of wealth? It's a great question. In, um, in America, most people equate wealth with money. It's someone with a big net worth or a big income. At GV, we define wealth in terms of the resources you have to create the life you want. So it includes not only your money, but it includes your time. And since we all live in America and we're not in jail, we have tremendous freedom over our time. It includes your signature talents, the things you're really great at doing. Mm -hmm. It includes your wisdom. We've all suffered adversity along the way. We've all gained some wisdom. It includes your body and mind, your physical, emotional, and mental health. Right, And it includes the network of relationships you have. Right. And, w and when you think about wealth on, on six dimensions instead of one dimension, you end up coming up with much better answers to, um, to solve problems to, and, and, and to capture opportunities. Mm -hmm. I agree. 27 years in the industry, what's your mission? What's, what's the legacy that you hope to leave yeah. behind? Okay, so I'm 27 years in. In, in the industry, about 10 years ago, I realized that, um, that for most people, using their wealth wasn't making them create a, a, a more satisfying life. And so I started on this journey, my, my firm and I, you know, 10 years ago to say, how can we help our clients use their wealth to create a more satisfying life? But over the last decade, the mission's expanded. And today our mission is we want to change the way America thinks about money. Uh -huh. So that's obviously a very big big mission. But we believe many Americans have a dysfunctional relationship with money. We think that dysfunctional relationship with money causes suffering at the individual level, and those people come home and share their suffering with their families, and those families go out to their, to their communities, and they also share their suffering, and the communities go to, go to their society, our society, and we also share our suffering. Our hope is by helping Americans have a more realistic, a more functional, a more accurate view of money, we can have less suffering at the individual level, the family level, the community level, and the society level. And we're hoping as part of that we can help heal, heal America, and we think America could use some healing. Exactly. That ripple effect has to end somewhere. David, how can our listeners get in contact with you to learn more about what you do? Okay, so the, the, the easiest way to get in contact with us is to either go onto, onto our, our website, which is www.gvfinancial.com, or to call our office at 
Great. Thank you so much, David, for being on the panel today. Thank you for having me. Great. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud brought to you by CDI Managed Services. Next up on the panel, we have Greg Galvez, the owner of ProShred. Good morning, Greg. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Good morning. Tell us about ProShred and what do you do? Well, ProShred Security is a secure mobile shredding company. We provide a service um, to businesses as well as individuals uh, that provides an affordable peace of mind. Uh, We safely destroy documents as well as digital data storage devices such as hard drives and backup tapes, flash drives, literally anything that contains data, personal data. Um, We certify that work, and then we recycle the remnants. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, what geographical markets do you serve? Well, uh, ProShred as a business... Um, serves the entire the United States. Okay. Uh, my particular piece of ProShred, uh, I'm a franchise owner, mm-hmm. is uh, the state of Georgia. And uh, since we began operations uh, about two years ago, we're really focused on the complete metro Atlanta marketplace. And who would you uh, say is the ideal client for your services? It's really any business or individual that cannot afford to suffer a data breach. If, uh, if clients are simply looking for uh, turning large pieces of paper into small pieces of paper, there's a lot of ways to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but if it's really a, a, a business or an individual um, that wants to uh, be absolutely assured that it's being done properly right in front of them um, and then recycled for the benefit of the environment, Mm-hmm. ProShred security is your best solution. Right. Security is definitely key. Now, how are you different from other shredding companies? You know, um, first of all, our heritage. Um, 26 years ago in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, ProShred was the pioneer in mobile shredding. This was the first company that took uh, industrial shredders and put them on trucks. Uh, prior to that, and still, uh, in, the majority of shredding done in the United States is done in plants. Uh, so people uh, come to your office and pick up your information in boxes. Uh, you trust that it's going to be handled carefully, um, but it's taken somewhere. And um, over the next few days, um, it's destroyed. Uh, in our case, um, we invite you to come witness the destruction because mm-hmm. it's being done in your parking lot okay. or um, right in front of your house. Um, we have high-speed shredding equipment on our mobile trucks. Um, it's done in a matter of seconds. Uh, there are cameras, uh, closed-circuit cameras built into the truck that allows you to observe it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And we issue a certificate of destruction on the spot. That is uh, very different. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Greg Galvez from Pro Shred Security. Hey, Greg. Uh, so let's talk pricing, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. Is uh, it cost more to have to remove the staples no, to shred a document? Or yeah, how does you, that work? What kind of equipment do you guys use? Yeah, what so does that cost? We, we, we have uh, state-of-the-art equipment that um, is strong enough to chew through staples, Paper clips, binder clips, hanging folders, um, literally anything except a three-ring binder. Um, 
So you don't need to remove anything. Um, our personnel uh, is trained to transfer your, your documents from boxes or file drawers or bags or however you have it um, stored um, into our shred bins, and those shred bins are then wheeled to the truck. The truck is automated, and, uh, and uh, we uh, shred instantly. So the pricing um, is all based on volume and service frequency. Uh, we also offer a drop-off service for very small quantities uh, at our secure access facility in Norcross. Greg, what, what trends do you see happening in the inf information security that uh, businesses and individuals need to be aware of? Well, you know, um, there's two fundamental trends, and um, our previous speakers have spoken to uh, a couple of them. First of all is um, identity theft continues to grow, um, unfortunately, uh, due to poor practices, in my opinion, uh, both on an individual level as well as a business level. Uh, Georgia is now the number two state in the union in identity theft, um, and uh, that's up from prior years. Um, the second uh, major trend is uh, greater legislative uh, compliance requirements, uh, beginning with the healthcare sector. Um, there are a number of um, new uh, guidelines uh, that have been put into effect um, related to the Recovery Act uh, a couple of years ago, and this year um, uh, the first prosecutions uh, have begun. Uh, and so many um, practitioners, um, business owners um, in the healthcare space are having to adjust to that right now and to put in proper procedures. Um, we're positioning ourselves uh, to be able to respond to both of those issues in a very simple manner. We want to keep this um, as simple as possible for our customers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, Paperless offices. Are people using more paper or less paper? Is, do you find uh, you know any statistics there or trends there? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, while everyone has predicted the decline of the use of paper, um, we're not seeing it um, for two reasons. Um, one, um, going forward, you know, um, the use of digital is increasing. There's no doubt about that. But there's so much accumulated documentation in the physical form um, stored in anything from warehouses to storage lockers that, um, you know, people need to destroy that carefully, and they're not going to convert that into digital format. So um, there is an, a big amount there. So how do you go about growing your business? So we grow it one customer at a time. And uh, it's, it's really about um, identifying customers um, that match our business model and then building trusted relationships with them. Um, so uh, trust is at the, I think, center of any great business. And um, we have, from the beginning, um, uh, committed ourselves to processes and standards um, that would help us enable that trust. Uh, one of the standards that we have committed ourselves to is from the Better Business Bureau. Um, I'm happy to say that we're an accredited member with an A-plus rating uh, with the Better Business Bureau. Uh, we also hold the industry's highest uh, rating, uh, the National Association of Information Destruction gives, which is AAA certification. Uh, we are the only company 
in this industry that uh, simultaneously has achieved uh, ISO 9001 uh, certification. Um, we are also the only um, minority business enterprise in this industry, in this state, certified by the uh, Georgia Minority Supplier Diversity Council. So through all of these um, standards that we live up to, um, we're trying to uh, be very transparent to our customers. Um, we're trying to be more secure, um, and we're trying to be more flexible in terms of the way that we service the accounts. Greg, I took a, I took a peek at your bio uh, this morning. Very impressive. Uh, let's talk about the comparison of big corporate America, where you've spent a lot of time, um, a lot of experience there uh, with the local company. Um, how does the franchise ownership compare? What, what, what do you like about the franchise business, and how does it compare with your past business? You know, the, fr the franchise business is, or the franchise model is something that I've worked with my entire life. Um, I had the great pleasure of working for the Coca-Cola company for uh, a quarter of a century and uh, really focused on building a strong brand and building strong uh, customer uh, relationships. Um, and at that side of the table, I was the franchisor. Um, now I get to be the franchisee, and uh, and so and and both are um, from a delivery perspective, uh, fleet businesses. Um, so there's a lot of operational synergy. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, just like in that business, uh, you win one customer at a time, and uh, it's it's about establishing you know those strong trusted relationships. And I also noticed that uh, you're a partner with entrepreneurs as an advisor as well as an investor in uh, early-stage brand-driven businesses. Can you shed a little light on what you're doing there? Yes. Um, quite simply, uh, my expertise uh, at the Coca-Cola company was in um, creating traction for new brands, whether they were organic, meaning from the company itself or through acquisitions. Um, I, I worked with a large number of early-stage companies. So um, this vehicle, um, the Galvez Group, allows me to work with more companies in that same manner. We're listening to Greg Galvez with ProShred Security. Greg, uh, how can our listeners reach out to you and ProShred Security for your services? The easiest way is through the Internet at ProShred.com. And you can also pick up the phone and call us at 678-580-1155. Thank you, Greg. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk business to business. A special thank you to our guest today, David Geller with GV Financial Advisors, Fred Ellsbury with the Better Business Bureau of Atlanta, and Greg Galvez from ProShred Security. We appreciate you all for being on the show. I'm Nicole Toptosh, along with my co-host Dominic Rainey with CDI Managed Services, where we work with companies to maximize their investment in IT infrastructure and cloud solutions and support. To listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember... When it comes to IT solutions and cloud support, CDI Managed Services is 
your silver lining in the cloud.